and ministered, and I was um, thankful to be able to get away. Uh, we we went away for Thanksgiving with our family, and uh, but it was an awesome service. I was tuned in online during the service, and what an incredible service! So thankful for Brother Stokely and and my brother uh, Evan Gillen for coming in and, and preaching the word last Sunday. Amen. Thankful for you. Amen. That you would be here and that you would worship and give your all. Amen. On that that service. Amen. Let's just pray for this day, this morning, that uh, God bless this offering as well. In Jesus' name, we are so thankful, Lord, that we can come here today. Lord, that you would uh, bless us today. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, meet us here in this place. Lord, that you would uh, reveal your word to us. Lord, that we could be changed by it. Lord, bless the gift and the giver in this offering here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you want to grab your Bibles, we're going to turn to the book of Exodus this morning. Exodus chapter 3 is where we are going to begin today. And I want to begin, let's, let's begin here in verse number 1. Verse number 1 of Exodus chapter 3. It reads, that Moses, he kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. At this point in life, Moses is a shepherd. He is around uh, 80 years old, and so he is, he is not young by any means, but he had spent 40 years as the prince of Egypt, and now he has spent nearly 40 years on the backside of the desert there tending sheep, and he is... Keeping the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, who was the priest of Midian. And he led that flock to the backside of the desert. And he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Moses looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. Now Moses said, I'll turn aside now and I want to see this great sight, why that bush is not burnt. When the Lord saw that, he turned aside to see when the Lord noticed that Moses noticed. And God pays attention when you notice that he showed up. You know that. God pays attention when you, when you realize that the tide has kind of shifted in, in the moment, in the atmosphere where you're at and it says God take, took notice of that, that Moses had turned aside to see. And so God began to call to him out of the midst of that bush. And he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And God said, draw, nigh, draw not nigh hither. Put off your shoes from off your feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Verse 6. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses, he hid his face, his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up. 
out of that land to a good land and a large and to a land that's flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites, place of the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Havites, and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come to me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. What an incredible encounter this had to have been for Moses. What an incredible encounter. I don't know about you, but there's there's something so special about being in the presence of God. If you have ever been in a place where you know God is present there, not not just not just, you know, you know, everywhere we go, God is present. But the manifest presence of God. And you come into an atmosphere, you step into an atmosphere and you you know God is here. His presence is here. And, and if you've ever been part of a, a, a church service where the worship just began to go up and all of a sudden you feel something shift in the atmosphere and something's different and and it's it's as if God has himself come into this place and and all of a sudden you can't help yourself but to just lift up your hands and just begin to give him praise or maybe you fell on your face and began to pray and worship and and give him all the, the praise that he is worthy of. And, and I don't know, perhaps you've even had times yourself just in a private prayer meeting. A private prayer meeting where all of a sudden the prayer shifted. And something changed. And man, I've been there before. I hope, uh, I hope you've had that experience yourself where all of a sudden... God enters into that room wherever you're at or he enters into that place where you are and and all of a sudden you feel his presence so near, so close and and there's something so powerful, something so precious about that when you get into the presence of God. There is a revelation that you can receive about who God is in those moments where his presence is so real, where it's so uh, so tangible, if you will. And, and that's what Moses begins to experience here. See, Moses, he had grown up knowing about God. His mother had raised him knowing who God was and knowing that he was a special child, that God had a plan for his life. And, and he, he knew that, that of this God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But I don't know that he necessarily had really been in the very presence of God until this moment. Because it was in this moment that he began to have a conversation, a, a real conversation with God as God is speaking to him out of the burning bush. And I, I just want to speak here this morning on this subject of the revelation of God, but more so about or even further about finding my purpose in his presence. That's that we receive a revelation of God when we get into his presence, but we also find purpose when we are there in his presence. And, and I just want to just look at a couple of, of instances here in, uh, in scripture. And we're going to, 
We're going to read a lot of scripture here at the beginning today, but I want to just look at several different examples of, of individuals who got into the presence of God. They, they got into a place where, where God, they, they, it was undeniable that He was there with them. And so, uh, let's, if you will, just turn to Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. And uh, I believe it says uh, just verse 16 on our notes there. But I'm going to begin in verse number 10. It says that Jacob, he went out from Beersheba and he went toward Haran and he lighted upon a certain place. He tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took out or took of the stones of that place and he put them for his pillows to lay down in that place to sleep. Now, just to give you a little bit of context, this is a man, Jacob, who is running from his problems. He's made a big mess of things in his family. He has stolen his brother's birthright and stolen his brother's blessing. And his brother is out to kill him. And so he's running away from all of his troubles that he has caused within his family. And so he's been running, 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 running. And he finds himself finally ready to retire for the night comes to a place uh, toward Haran and finds a pillow, finds a stone for a pillow. Verse 15, and behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places. I'm sorry, verse uh, 4, thank you, verse 12. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it, behold, The Lord stood above it and he said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest to thee, will I give it into thy seed. This is the same land that later God would tell Moses of, that he would bring his people into it. Verse 14, thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north, to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and I will bring you again into this land, for I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And it's at this moment that Jacob wakes up and he realizes, he says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Surely the Lord is here. I came to this place in a desperate situation. I came running from my problems only to lay my head to rest. And little did I realize that I was in the very presence of God. That in the midst of my troubles, God was near. That in the midst of my troubles and running from them, God would meet me in a dream this night and he would give me a promise and he would give me a purpose and he would give me some direction to go and, and to begin to follow after his voice. And so he, he, he recognizes that God was there, that he was in the presence of God. If we just move just a little bit further into Jacob's life, he had spent some time in a, uh, in a in a place where he had married uh, a couple of uh, a couple of ladies and had many children, started a family, and now he is making his way back to Esau. Esau, his brother. This is in Genesis chapter thirty-two. We see Jacob making his way back to his family. It's in 
Let's begin in verse 24. It says that Jacob, he was left alone and there wrestled a man. Again, I'll, I'll set it up just a little bit of context. He's, he's bringing, he's coming back to Esau and he has, uh, on this night, the day, it should be the day before or the night before, he is going to meet his brother. He sends the rest of his family who is, he's traveling with, he sends them across the river and he stays behind. He says, I, I want you all to go out there, but I, I, I need to just spend some time with God. I need to spend some time here and, and get my bearings and, and know that, uh, that, that God is, uh, that I'm doing the right thing, that God's going to be with me on this day to know exactly how it was going to go, meeting his brother. And so he's left alone there. And as he was left alone that night, it says he wrestled a man. There wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. When he saw that he had prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. He continued to wrestle. The man, he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. He said, I will not let you go, except you bless me. Now, just, just coming into this story without a, uh, an understanding of what's, who this man was, you might question, why, why does Jacob... Why is he, why is he wrestling with, wrestling with a man? This is kind of a, an odd thing just to, uh, to, to have Jacob stay behind and all of a sudden just as some man begins to wrestle with him, it's kind of an odd situation. But Jacob recognized that there was something about this man. This was not just some ordinary man. And as he's wrestling with him, he, he recognizes this is, this is a, God, or a theophany of God, or an angel of God, a man of God, who has come, and and I'm not gonna let go until I get my blessing. He's he's wrestling with this man, and he you see his life will begin to change, and says, "I will not let you go." Let's go to verse 27. And he said to him, "What is your name?" My name is Jacob. And he said, "Well, your name shall be called no more Jacob, but." Israel. Now Jacob, that name meant deceiver. The name meant supplanter. It was, it was not the kind of name that you would want to have, but, but yet he, this man, as he's been wrestling with him all night, he says, you're no longer from this day forward going to be called Jacob, but you will be Israel, which is the prince of God. For as a prince, you have power with God and with men and you have prevailed. And Jacob asked him and he said, well, tell me, I pray you your name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask God for my name? I know I asked you for your name, but I'm not going to reveal to you my name. So he blessed him there. Verse 30, Jacob, he called the name of that place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face. My life is preserved. We're going to dive back into some of these things in just a little bit. But I want to move on to, uh, well, we already read the, the, the passage here with Moses in Genesis chapter 3. Where Moses comes and he, he begins speaking to God. He comes into the presence of God in, in this, this burning bush. And, and in that moment, uh, what we didn't read is is that... Moses asked the same question that Jacob had just asked. 
Jacob had just asked the question of the man whom he was wrestling, who was a, uh, a, a visitation of, of God or an angel of God. And, and he asked this man, he says, what is your name? And he would not reveal to him his name. But Jacob recognizes, he says, I was just seeing God face to face. I was just in the presence of God. And, and though he didn't get a name, he recognized who he was. But when Moses asked the name and he says, I need to know your name. If you're sending me into Egypt, I need to know who it is that's sending me. And God does give him the revelation of his name. A very uh, uh, revelatory name that God gives to him, which is, I am that I am. Says, I am that I am. Tell Pharaoh when you go into Egypt that the I am has sent you. Now, I am, when we see uh, Moses, when he would say, uh, looking to God, he wouldn't say, I am, but he would say, You are. God, you are. You are everything. And that is the definition of, of the, the word Jehovah or, or Yahweh, either of those. Uh, translations of that Hebrew word, which is God, you are God, you are Yahweh, you are Jehovah, you are God, whatever it is that I need in my life, God, you are that. And so and so we see that name that Jacob was seeking after was revealed to Moses when Moses got into the presence of God. Now, then Moses later on, he gets the instructions, the the um to, to build the tabernacle, a house for God. And it was that place, that tabernacle that God would set up as a place where his people could meet him. Before that, it was on random occasions. It was sporadically that we would see men that would come into the presence of God. But from that day forward, we see this begin to be something that was a more common occurrence. Not that there's anything common about getting into the presence of God, but it was something that would happen more often as the, as, uh, as the high priest who would be able to enter into the, the, uh, high or the, the holy place, the most holy place he would get into the very place where that mercy seat was at. And it was on that mercy seat that we see in Exodus 25, verse 22, that it says, God speaking here, he says, There, I will meet with you. I will commune with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony, of all things which I will give you in commandment unto the children of Israel. He says, It's there that I will meet with you. They got to be in the very presence of God. In Exodus 33 verse 7, we see that, uh, we see that Moses and Joshua get to come into the very presence of God. It's, it's, let's go there in Exodus 33 verse 7. It was there in the tabernacle that Moses, he, he took the tabernacle, he pitched it without the camp, afar from, uh, afar off from the camp, and he called it the tabernacle of the congregation and it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went to the tabernacle of the congregation, which was, which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle, that all the people rose up. And they stood, every man at his tent door. And they looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle that the cloudy pillar descended and it stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord 
talked with Moses. He got into the presence of God. He came into that place. He came into the house of God, the tabernacle, the, the tent where God would, was dwelling. And, and it says that he began, the Lord began to talk with Moses. Let's go to verse 10. And all the people, they saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people, they rose up and they worshiped every man in his tent door. And the Lord, he spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Wow, what a incredible experience. And that's how it ought to be for us as well. Not that it's casual conversation, but, but God wants to have conversation face to face. And we get to have that. We get, see, in that day, all the other people were around and they're watching this happen with one person. Or actually, we'll find there's two, two in there. They're, they, they are all looking and they are seeing that, that, that somebody else gets to experience the presence of God. But for me, I'm just an outsider seeing somebody else experience it. Moses got to, Have a conversation with God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, he departed not out of the tabernacle. He says, I'm not getting out of here. I want to spend as much time in the presence of God that I can. I'm not leaving this place. I'm spending as much time in the presence of God that I am allowed to have. And so he would not leave that place very place where the presence of God dwelt. First Kings chapter eight, we see again, God visits, not this time the tabernacle, but rather the replacement of the tabernacle, which was Solomon's temple. This is at the dedication of that temple in first Kings chapter eight, verses 10 and 11. It says it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. So that the priests, they could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. I want to talk about the presence of God. Getting into the presence of God. Isaiah, he had a vision. He had a vision of God and and coming into the temple. This was in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. He was high and he was lifted up. His train had filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one of them had six wings. He's speaking of these angels, these angelic beings. He says each one had six wings. With two of them, he covered his face. With two of them, he covered his feet. With two of them, he flew. One of them cried to the other and they said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. In the posts of the door, they moved at the voice of him that cried in the house, was filled with smoke and then said, I, this is Isaiah speaking. He said, woe is me. For I am undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes I have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then flew one of those seraphims to me and it had a live coal in its hands. And, and, it, and it came with tongs from off the altar and he laid it upon my mouth. And he said, lo, this have touched thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? 
Isaiah responds to this question from God and he says, God, here am I. Send me. God, here I am. God, I'll respond to your call. I've been in your presence. God, I see you. God, and whatever you're calling me to do, God, I will go. Verse 9, he says, go. This is the Lord speaking again. Go, tell this people, hear ye indeed, be, but understand not, and see ye indeed, perceive not. He says, go, go, go do it. I see you, and I'm commissioning you to go fulfill the purpose which I have called you to. And I want you to know, when we enter into his presence, if this is something that you have not experienced, then, then, then the, the way that you can begin to, to, to invite his presence into wherever you're at is to begin to lift up praises to him. Begin to praise God. And it says in, in, in Psalm chapter 22 that your praise will attract God. He says, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. God, you inhabit the praises of your people. God, when our praises go up, your spirit comes down. Amen. I'm thankful for that. I love, that's why one reason I love the worship service. That as we praise him, we can begin to feel his presence in this place. Now. Lest you think it's only an Old Testament thing that people would experience God's presence. It certainly is not. I could have pulled so many more scriptures into this, but I'll just go into Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. We see God's spirit come down on the day of Pentecost. It was on that day of Pentecost when it was fully come that they were all with one accord. They were all in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting. There were cloven tongues as of fire that sat upon each of them. And all of a sudden they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That Spirit of God began to move into that place on that day of Pentecost. See, I'm talking about the presence of Jehovah. Now, the reason that I give you all of these examples is because I want to talk or want to bring out what you will find when you get into his presence. What will you find when you get into the presence of God? First thing that you'll find is revelation. When you get into the presence of God, there's revelation that begins to take place. A revelation is something that is, is not human thinking. It's not coming from your own human knowledge. It's, not, it's, it's coming from God. It's something that only being in the presence of God, this could be revealed to you. Revelation, we see, we see that, that moment when Jacob, when he was wrestling with God, his re, there was revelation, divine revelation that came to him about his identity. Divine revelation that would not have taken place had he not been in the presence of God. But because he got into the presence of God, his identity went from being a deceiver to a leader. The prince of Israel, the prince of God. And so his identity is changed. He says, your name is no longer Jacob. Your name from this day forward is going to be Israel. 
Your identity has changed. Let me give you, let me give you some revelation about who you are. Well, God, he's saying, I want to tell you just that, that the man that you think you are, the woman you think you are, the, that person, come on, I have so much more in store for you. I have so much pl- more planned for you that you think this is, you know, that your past makes up, you know, the present of who you are and your future is all dependent on that. God says, I am the one that has your future in my hands. There's revelation that can take place when you get into the presence of God. But it's not just revelation about yourself. You get revelation about God. You get revelation about who he is. Well, we can read about him. We can read about who he is in scripture. But when you get into his presence, you really get to know him. It's not just reading about him anymore. It's getting to know him. And he is revealed to you in such a powerful way. When Moses, when he got into the presence of God, and that burning bush was there, it says, that God revealed to him a name that no man before him had ever received the name like Moses did. We see Jacob was seeking after this name, but Moses received the name. He received revelation. He says, my name is I am that I am. So we also find when you get into the presence of God, we find a holy God. We find that it is a holy place. And when you get into the presence of God, it was something about it that, that uh, with, with uh, Moses, God, he says, take your shoes off, Moses. You're standing on holy ground. When Isaiah got into the presence of God, God uh, Isaiah began to look at, look at God and he, he looked at himself and he says, woe is me. I'm, I'm unclean. I'm a man uh, undone. Uh, my, my lips are unclean. I'm, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. I, you are such a holy God and here I am. With all of my mistakes. And yet that didn't stop him from being able to come. And to spend time in the presence of God. Well how powerful is that today. That I, I recognize that, that here we are today. And, and nobody in here is perfect. That if you feel undone. If you feel as, as Isaiah did when he says I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a man that doesn't deserve to be in your presence. God says come on I'm still inviting you in. I'm still inviting you to come and draw near to me. I'm still inviting you. Now, now I, I'm, 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 not, I'm not expecting you to stay the same. When you come into my presence, there's some things that are going to change. There's some things that begin, that begin to take place. And, and, and God, he didn't leave. He didn't leave Isaiah with that, with that same thing. He says that he took that cold. He cleansed his lips. He, he purified him and he sent him away, a new man. But... But here he says, he says, come, come, come. We see the holiness of God and that ought to, that ought to cause us to pursue God as, as God says, be ye holy as I am holy. We see when we get into the presence of God, we see that there are promises that begin to come forth. And that first first uh, passage that we read of Jacob when he had that dream we see God speaking to Jacob and he says behold I am with you I know you're running I know that you're confused I know that you're probably scared but I'm with you wherever you go Jacob I am with you 
Jacob, in fact, not only am I with you, but I'm going to make a great nation of you. And I'm going to send you into a, a land where your descendants are going to, to have a, a land that will be yours. And that, uh, that, that, that you will be, you are my people. And, and, and don't you forget that, that wherever you are, no matter what you've done, I am with you. There are promises that began to take place when you get into the presence of God. It was in 1 Kings 9, this, uh, um, the same instance of, of Solomon's temple dedication. Towards the end of that, after Solomon prayed, God spoke and he says, If you walk before me, I will establish your throne forever. If you walk before me, I will establish your throne forever. You're speaking to Solomon here, but, but he's saying there, there's promises that begin to come forth when we get into the presence of God. There's promises that happen. There are things that begin to take place that we receive only by being in the presence of God. But I want to hone in on this very last one here is that you receive purpose when you get into the presence of God. And if you feel purposeless today, I want to encourage you to seek the face of God. Sometimes purposeless or not having purpose, it, it looks like having too many things that, that you're doing. Anybody ever been there before? You're so busy that it's like, I'm not accomplishing anything. Because I'm running here and there and everywhere. See, purpose, oftentimes, usually, it is, it is more singular in nature. It is more focused. It's not about saving the whole world, but it's about saving your world or a part of your world or doing something small, doing the small things, doing something, uh, being intentional about certain things. And so when we get into the presence of God, God has a way of, of beginning to diminish the things that are not important. And showing us in that time when we're in his presence about what we should be focusing on. And getting into his presence is, is, is a place where you can begin to find purpose. Where you can begin to find the things that God is calling you to do. You see, you're not going to spend every day of your life in that moment of, of, of his manifest presence. Most days of your life, most of the time of your life is not going to be spent at an altar where you're just laid down flat and God is, is, is there and you know he's speaking to you. But there's going to be more days uh, than not that you are, that you're just going throughout your life and you're at your job and you're doing things. And, and what, uh, what can carry you through those moments is knowing that God spoke purpose into your life when you were at an altar. When you were in his presence. See, Isaiah at the end of that passage of Isaiah, when, when he had gotten in, into the presence of God, God says, I, I'm just looking for somebody. I'm looking to send somebody to go to my people. And, and Isaiah says, here I am, God, send me. Whom shall I send? God, send me, send me. And so he gets purpose in the presence of God. Moses got purpose from the presence of God. He was there in the presence of God. And God says, I want to send you, Moses. And he says, all right. I don't know if you got the right man, but if you're calling me, he eventually acquiesces and says, I'll go, I'll go. I want to, I know we, we, we only have a couple minutes here, but, but I want to just, just speak to you from my heart about fulfilling your purpose. 
And you can look there at some of those examples on, the, on those notes there. But I, I just want to tell you that God, when you get into his presence, God, he can speak purpose into your life. We've seen it over and over and over from examples in scripture. But I've also seen it in my life that, that it's in those moments where I, where I am determined to, to say, God, I need to shut out the other, shut off the other voices in my life so that I can hear your voice clearly. That it's in those moments that I could come out and say, all right, I feel so much better about this next day, about this next week, this next month that I'm going into because I have purpose from spending time in your presence. God, I have purpose. I don't feel like a hamster and a, a hamster wheel just just running and, and not getting anywhere but but God it's when I come out of your your presence when I come out of there Lord that that I have purpose that there's certain individuals that I realize that you're leading me to God there's certain people that that I see that you have placed me in their life for a reason and I have a purpose God, you're trying to mobilize me into some conversations with, with individuals that I, I didn't know that they were seeking you, God. I didn't know that they were, they were trying to get some other things, you know, figured out in their life. And I didn't realize that until I got into your presence. But when you revealed it, God, I, I see, Lord, the purpose that you have called me to. I'll just, I'll just skip down to the very last part of here that uh, of the notes where Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he commissions them with a great commission. It's in Matthew 28, verse 19. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. This is the purpose of the church. This is the purpose uh, that, that every one of us has. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples. Now, if you hear that purpose, you say, how do I do that? God, how do I do that? Let me just encourage you and tell you that everybody... That God would ever call and commission to go do something. God equips them. God equips them. For Moses, Moses, uh, he was, he, he got his purpose from God. He got his commission from God. That was to go and to set, uh, go before Pharaoh and, and tell Pharaoh he needed to set all of the Israelites free. Which was a monumental task. I mean, could you imagine going to the very most powerful man in the world and saying, Hey, all of this labor that you have that is that is building your kingdom, you need to let them go. I would have been just like Moses and says, I'm sorry, you picked the wrong guy. I, I don't think I can do this. Even though, even though Moses, he was had to have been, he had to have been the the most um obvious choice. And he had grown up in Egypt. Not just in Egypt, but he had grown up in Pharaoh's household. He had grown up there because of his, uh, Pharaoh's daughter finding him there in the, in the river when he was just a baby. And so he grew up there. And yet, even in that, he says, God, you picked the wrong man. And he had excuse after excuse after excuse. And, and yet God, he equipped him. He equipped him. He was, he says, he says, certainly I will be with you. 
He gives him that certainty. Moses, I will be with you. I'm equipping you with that knowledge. I'm with you. Moses comes back. He says, he says, well, who, who should I say sent me? I can't just say, you know, some random God sent me. Pharaoh, he has all these different gods. So which God is it that, uh, that he would recognize as, as an authority figure that would say, all right, I'll listen to it. And God says the I am that I am. That's the one, the one that's above all. The one that's greater than any of those gods. It's not the, it's not Ra. It's not, uh, it's not any of those Egyptian gods that, that he would serve. It's the God. Tell him the God sent you. And so he equips him with that revelatory name. When he then says, well, I, I still don't think that he will uh, recognize you as the God. And so can you give me a sign? And so he says, well, you already have something in your hand, don't you? What do you have in your hands? I've got a rod in my hand. He says, throw that rod down. He threw the rod down. It became a serpent. He says, there's the sign. Show him that. Oh, but that's not enough? Okay, let me give you a second sign. Put your hand inside your cloak. And he pulled it out, and all of a sudden his hand had leprosy. There's another sign. Put your hand back in. No longer has leprosy. He says, the second sign, that's the one that's going to convince them. God equips him. He still has excuses. He says, I can't speak. I'll speak for you. I don't know about that, God. And God finally gets so frustrated. He says, all right, if you don't believe that I'll speak for you, then I'll just send your brother. And your brother can be your spokesperson. Now, here's the thing. We don't ever see, we don't ever actually see Aaron being the spokesperson for Moses. Maybe he was. Maybe scripture just doesn't, uh, doesn't say that. But as far as scripture says, it always says that Moses came, Moses and Aaron, they came together. But it says that Moses was the one speaking to Pharaoh. And so God was, he equipped him. He equipped the one who he had called to go. And so for you today, if you say, and and you hear that, um, hear me say that God has called you to go and make disciples. I want you to know that God has already equipped you to do so. Now, this is the call. This is the purpose that, that you receive when you get into his presence. You get a burden for those who are lost. You get a burden for those around you that need him. You get a burden for that. Come on, there's no higher purpose than this calling. That when you get into the presence of God, he says, now go, go, go. I'm calling you to go and to bring in the harvest. I'm calling you to go and to, and to bring somebody into an understanding of who I am. And that they need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And that they need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they need to begin to live a life come on that would be uh, turned and and, and so much better for it and he's calling you to go and do that but he's already equipped you with a story he's already equipped you with a story and that's the story of your life your testimony he's already equipped you Come on, we need to go. We need to get into people's lives. We need to go. And God says whatever it is that you need to say don't worry. I already have the word for you. I'll, I'll, I'll be there in that moment, whatever. If, if you're searching for the words to say, I'll, I'll be with you, just go. I've equipped you. Well, God has equipped you. If you're afraid today uh, about this calling, if you're afraid about this purpose, that God would go and send you forth to go and to be a, a missionary in your world, just know that God is with you. God is with you today. Amen. Can we just... We just lift up our hands in this place here this morning. As we have our Sunday school classes beginning to make their way back in. 
when there's something about the presence of God. And when you get into it, when you get into his presence, you see just how wonderful he is. I've never, never done drugs or any of that myself, but uh, I've heard witness of those who have that there's no drug, there's nothing like that that can touch the presence of God the way that you feel. When you come out of that, come on, there's a high that doesn't have a rock bottom that follows it. Well, there's purpose that can come from it. There is nothing greater than being in the presence of God. God is calling you today. What he's inviting you into his presence. And as you come into his presence, he's then, he's going to send you forth. He's going to send you out to God.